Hello everyone and welcome to October's, can't believe it's October, 2023 episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here and listening over the past 10 months or four years, however long you've been here. I really appreciate it. I just, I can't believe that it's already October. I really appreciate you listening. In today's episode, I chat with another Melissa and she is 20 years old and we chat about her journey starting at a young age and just how hard it is to be taken seriously, especially when you're younger. Thank you so much for tuning in and being here and supporting the podcast. Hello, everyone. Melissa is joining us on the Cycle Podcast. Yes, don't be confused. We have the same name. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just a shameless plug, you should watch it there. If you'd like, you know, maybe when, I don't know, you're cleaning the house or laying down, but you'll say, oh, you'll be able to see on the screen. It says Melissa for both of us. But without further ado, let's please welcome Melissa to the show. Melissa, thank you so much for being here and being willing to share your story. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge dream of mine. I've been listening to the cycle for over a year and I love every beat of it. Oh, well, that is very kind. And everyone, I did not pay her to say that. So that (laughs) that was all organic and natural. Um, Well, Melissa, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you a little better? Yes, I just recently moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. So I currently live there. I moved last August. So it's just a little bit over a year. Um, I grew up in Southern California in San Diego. I do miss it a lot, especially the weather, (laughs) but I do love Tennessee. It is gorgeous here. Yeah. San Diego. I know. All the sunshine. Yeah. So beautiful. I I haven't spent a lot of time in Knoxville, but it's, the weather's pretty nice there too, right? Or is it just super Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I'm not used to all of like the storms and the rain just because it's always sunny and 75 in San Diego, but it's not horrible. We live in like this weird Canyon where like our storms aren't as bad as Nashville or other places in Tennessee. So that's good. It's not horrible, but yeah, it was a good summer. It was like 80. So that was nice. Good. Okay. Well, good. Well, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about um, the beginning of you noticing something was off with your health or your body and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Yes. Um, around 2015, I was like 12 years old because I'm 20 now. Um, that's when I got my first period and I knew something was like not right, but I never really spoke about it just because that wasn't something that I really talked about with my family or anything. Um, but they were very, very heavy. And I was just like, oh, maybe this is like normal, kind of odd that no one speaks on it. But I didn't really think of anything of it. And then migraines um, started, started having really bad migraines, but my mom gets them. So that was kind of brushed to the side, like, oh, mom has them. So you probably will too. Um, Those were the first two major ones. I kind of dealt with that for like a year and a half, two years. And then ovarian cysts started um, in 2017. That was when things started to kind of take a turn. And I realized like, I don't think this is um, normal. I would get like stabbing pain and have to go home from school and 
we were in the ER all the time. And so that's when they did an ultrasound was like, she has a pretty significant cyst in her right ovary. Uh, they offered surgery, but I was so young. I, they wanted me to try to pass it myself and I ended up doing so, but that was were the main start 14, of it. Like 14 when they discovered that. Yes. Wow. The first cyst. Yeah. That was when all of that started. Those three were the first symptoms. Very, very and young. Were you, it sounds like you were, were you missing school and missing like events with friends and, and anything else that it, that's when you started to be like, okay, there, there's definitely something going on here. Yeah. The ovarian cysts, um, it was a stabbing pain in my side. And so soccer practice, I played soccer my whole life and I would just be running and instantly have to like buckle over. And I just knew, I was like, why is no one else having these issues that I'm having? Right. Um, and getting pulled from school to go to the ER and yeah, I just knew something was clearly off because no one, none of my other peers were like handling or dealing with anything like this. Yeah. Right. And so once then they found the cyst, was your, were you just correlating it all to like, okay, maybe all of this is happening because I have this cyst? Yes. They said like, oh, once you have one cyst, I guess they multiply or it's easier to get them more frequently. And so every pain, I was just like, oh, I guess it's a cyst. Or every time I was like bleeding so heavy, it's just, oh, because you passed a cyst. So it has to like shed out. And it was just kind of brushed to the side and to the side. And then another two or three years later in 2018, um, that is when the urinary pain had started and like the endo belly, all of the bloat. And that was really when I was like, okay, something, I was in excruciating pain multiple, multiple times a month, if not weekly, um, lots of ER visits. And they just kept saying it was cysts or UTIs, but then they would send it for a culture and nothing would ever come back. And my mom is a nurse. And so she was a good advocate for me and was just like, no, that's not, it's not a UTI if she has no infection. Like there's just no reason. So then they would put me on antibiotics for 14 days and the minute the antibiotics stopped, I, the pain would come back. And so she's like, it's not working. Like something is not right. Something yeah. is still off. And at this point you're in high school, right? Yes. And yeah. It, when you say like you weren't feeling well several times a week, what, what were the, did you have like back pain during your cycle? were you in a lot more pain? Like what were some of, besides the stabbing pain of the cyst migraines and like heavy bleeding, were there other things that now when you reflect back, you think, oh my goodness, that was probably related? The urinary pain, um, the burning sensation, that is what really kind of sealed the deal with me that I knew, okay, I can't live like this because it felt like kidney stones almost every time I was leaving school, I was leaving work. I was like constantly just crying, like something I knew. Yeah, it was yeah. just not good. But that was the big symptom that I had very frequently that was kind of like why they didn't ever mention endo, I guess, was because they just kept saying kidney stones or UTIs, sure. like I mentioned. Um, but yeah, besides all of the migraines and the ovarian cysts and cramping and bloating and urinary pain. I don't know why it took so long to finally, yeah. but um, an ER doctor is actually who had brought up endo. 
I went in for probably the fourth or fifth time that month. And she, I remember she went back in a back room. It was super, super busy. And she took my mom and I into a back room and was like, have you ever heard of endometriosis? And both of us were like, no. And she had actually just gotten diagnosed and she was like, you don't have some of the symptoms, but most of these you do or can lead to things like that. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, like a green light kind of went off when I, I just felt like finally I had, I just knew kind of that I had something like that. Yeah. 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 Like a gut feeling. And do you feel like before to before that, like you were, you were young. So do you feel like also, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that people weren't taking you seriously because of your age and, and they were just, Oh, oh, it's just some pain. And maybe you were overreacting. Yes. Which is funny you say that. So my, I had a lot of knee issues also because of soccer. So I love my family to death, but I kind of felt like a guilt. I was like, I never wanted to speak up because it was constantly something. It was either my knee or my stomach, or it was constantly me that was having the issues. And so I just was like dismissing myself and like, it's going to get better, like take medicine. They gave me pyridium because they just were like numbing it basically at that point. Um, I actually had multiple doctors from that point, primary care say like, oh, you're way too young for that. Or you're just having like bad periods as every endo patient hears. But it's just something where you kind of dismiss yourself and obviously it's hurtful, but you push it to the side because I just didn't really know how to stick up for myself at 15 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you bring up a really valid point that I was actually just talking to someone about yesterday is just the the guilt of it all and the the burden and I would say even shame because like you said you had knee problems and then you had this on top of it so it's almost like you start to tell yourself like am I making you start mm-hmm. to question yourself I know I personally went through that too like I still struggle with that even now sometimes because I'm like is it really a level 10 pain or and it is but I think it's just it's it's very it's a it's just such a delicate line of, yes. of trying to make sure that you believe yourself too, because mm-hmm. other people don't. And I think there's a part I'm trying to personally work on, like it, like we have to f- keep fighting and advocating for ourselves. And sometimes I have a hard time with that, even asking for help because I think I carry so much shame and like, like that I'm yes. a burden to everybody. Well, then it just made me feel like even worse when I would be at the doctor and she was like, oh, I just saw you last week. And I'm like, oh, great. It's kind of embarrassing, like being here all the time. But what else do you do when you can't fix it yourself? You reach out and then get dismissed. It's like you just never want to go back again almost. Yeah. How was it with like your school slash social life? It sounds like, you know, you were you were in and out of the hospital a lot. How did you how was school like social life? Were you? you know, having anxiety about that because like, you know, I'm, I'm sick or I can't go out or I can't do that. You know, high school, you're supposed to be doing all these like fun things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sophomore year, um, I had another major knee surgery. So I was out for that, obviously on crutches and a wheelchair. And 
um, it was a lot of school was missed. And I would call my mom like, hey, I like can't even function. I would be in like dripping sweat and super nauseous because of all of like the endo pain. And she'd be like, well, we just, you just missed last week. And I'm like, well, I can't sit here in class and I can't even focus or I would get called on and not know what we were even doing. So then my grades were suffering, obviously. Um, and then that was another like thing on top of it. I'm like, now I'm letting everyone down because I have bad grades, always in the hospital. It's like that troubled kid that no one wants. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even though you weren't because you were yes. a chronic illness and having yes. the knee the knee issue on top of it is a lot. And it's a lot at that young age too, to process, right? Like it's yes. just, so after you talk to this ER doctor, amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, EI, EI doctor. And you, you go Google it and you just feel seen. Yeah. I'm sure I can like point. remember her face. Like I know exactly what she looks like. And when she said endometriosis, I, it was so weird. It was like an instant gut relief. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. Had you heard of endo before she had said that to you? Not at all. And then it's funny because after that, my mom, obviously we did our research and we're asking around, um, my mom was working with two girls that had also had it. And so then we started asking them about it and everyone's symptoms are a little bit different. Mine have yeah. definitely progressed into more endo symptoms than just what I had started with. Um, but yeah, it is crazy how different everyone's symptoms are. I think that's one of the hard, that's why it's so hard to diagnose. Not that mm -hmm. I'm excusing it, but I think that everyone's symptoms are, are so different similar yes. but different and show up in different ways at different times and it's it's very challenging in that way which is one of the reasons why I like to do this show is because mm -hmm. I've learned so much just from people telling their story and like you said you know you were having that burning sensation like I I have never experienced that unless I had a UTI oh, right like and it was horrible. <laughs> that was the worst part of it for me for the first like three or four years. It was weekly. I was just like, what is going on? And nothing would help. And they would do IVs and it just, and then it was like gone. And so I convinced myself that I was crazy and I would just work through it and push through it because I knew eventually it would go away until I just got to the point where I was like, this isn't. I can't deal with this. And so we saw primaries, gastros. Um, they said I had IBS and she didn't even do an exam on me. I saw three OBs. I saw urologists. We did a urinary scope and he said that he cleaned out everything. He did a distension that helped for three or four months. And then it was back to square one, if not worse. And wow. yeah. It was yeah, a long, so you, long few years. Yeah, you were seeing multiple doctors in and out yes. just trying to find answers. Yeah. It yeah, I saw probably close to 10 different doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very challenging. Um, so you, what do you do next after you, your gut instinct is like, yes, this is what's going on with me? Yes. So I had mentioned it to a few of those OBs. Um, and one just was like, no, you're way too young. And no, like you're just, I don't know, making it up or whatever. No one believes a 16 year old by herself. I mean, trying to say I have this and 
I mean, phones were a huge thing. So they just think you Googled symptoms and now you're here complaining you have all of them. Um, and eventually I found one OB in San Diego and she specialized actually in younger endo patients. And she was like, yes, like this isn't normal. Let's go ahead and schedule surgery. Um, and in that time, I was living by myself in California. My family had already moved to Tennessee. So we scheduled surgery for like eight or nine months out. And in that time frame, I ended up moving at six months. So I wasn't able to have surgery with her. So I moved here and was really discouraged because I was like, oh, back to square one. Like I'm gonna have to go see 10 doctors before we get to where we need to be. So I saw a urologist here um, in Knoxville and he was fabulous. And he was like, my best friend is an OB that specializes in endo and women's health. And I want you to go see him. And so I got in with him somehow fairly quickly. I had moved here in August and I had surgery with him in January of this year. Wow. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. And yeah, yeah that's also a, a good point that you bring up is then just trying to, if you do move or, or something, how do you find more resources mm -hmm. and helps and help or doctors that actually understand the disease. And there's some great Facebook groups that list doctors and there's other websites and things like that. But that is a, that's also a very valid point is like, now you have to try and find someone who understands it in this new place. Yeah. So what, how amazing that that happened to work out that way. I know we researched and researched and it was like Nashville and Atlanta. And I was like, I don't want to drive that far to be seen multiple times because I'm going to have yeah. to hopefully see them. But yes, I saw Dr. Fields here in Knoxville and he was amazing. Yes. Well, tell, tell me about like that experience and you know, the, the time leading up to it, you said that your disease progressed. So as after you moved and then had to wait for the surgery, were things getting more challenging? Yeah. So living in California, like I said, I, they gave me pyridium to take to help with the urinary pain. Um, it took the edge off, but I knew that clearly that wasn't the issue because that's what you take for UTIs and I wasn't having UTIs. Right. Um, and then I started birth control also, and I tried the pill and that was when it, my ovarian cysts got worse actually. So then I got the implant and I bled for a year straight. So oh, we got goodness. that taken out because that wasn't working. Um, I got an IUD and that has helped, but it's like every doctor says, oh, get birth control and that'll fix all your problems. And it's just yeah. not, not true, unfortunately. And then I was going to try Orlissa, but that doctor that I saw in San Diego discouraged it for a younger group just because it's a little bit scary to get back on and fertility was a huge thing for me. That was my main concern through all this. I was like, I'll have pain the rest of my life as long as I can have babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I saw this doctor and after surgery, he said we could try. I didn't really have relief with surgery, unfortunately. Um, he did a distension and cleaned out everything and diagnosed stage three. And then I had all of my endo belly that started to come up even worse, like severely, um, just pain constantly everywhere, body aches, and I just couldn't even function if I had a flare up. And 
I just started my Fembri about four months ago, and that's been helping a little bit, but we're still trying to figure out that it's just a battle that you have to battle the rest of your life, unfortunately. Yeah, and did your doctor, do you know what type of surgery you had? Um, the one that has the, the four incisions. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So there's also different like styles of surgery. So I don't know if you saw any of that in your research, but there's still hope that, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the type of surgery or the, the, the level of skill set of the surgeon, you know, there's ablation surgery and excision surgery. And so um, we can talk about that more after the podcast, but just for everyone who's listening, there are two different versions and I highly recommend that, um, everybody researches them because, you know, I think they still call excision the gold standard because that actually removes the disease from the root. And so it can have better results for reduction of pain at least. So, um, so you had the surgery and now you're not, you're still not feeling great. I'm so sorry yes. to hear that. Yeah. I was very discouraged. I felt okay for, like February, March, um, but I was still recovering. So I kind of like dismissed the symptoms as, oh, I'm still recovering. So of course it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, but then I had the burning coming back and migraines and yeah, it just felt like we were back at square one. So I went back to him and he was like, well, we're not going to do another surgery for a few years at least. So let's try a medicine. I was really against medication because like I said, anyone that knows me knows that fertility is at the top of my list. So I was just scared after that one doctor said that Orlissa had that chance of not producing eggs again after you stop. And so, but we started it and we're here. So, <laughs> and so how are you feeling now? Um, that? better not, it's not completely gone, but the endo belly I have noticed has gone down a lot. I still have urinary pain, but he said that is normal just because there's a lot of debris. I have it pretty bad, like surrounding my bladder and in my bladder. So I'll probably have that for the rest of my life. There's nothing we can do about that except the distensions, but I've already had two in the past two years. So yeah. What to... do they do with the distension? They basically fill your bladder with water and like stretch it extra. And so that okay. when they deflate it and release the water, it like heals it almost. It kind of creates a wound to cover up most of the wounds. Um, a lot of people have relief. Um, he diagnosed cystitis in that surgery in January. And so that is what you do those distensions for, a hydro distension. Got it. Okay. I haven't heard of that before. So thank you for yes. clarifying that just for people who are listening to that might not know what that is or know that that's a potential option for them as well. Yeah. That helps yeah. with the burning for sure. With the burning. Yeah, yes. for sure. And so you said you're on the MyFembry or I don't even know what that is. MyFembry. Yes. My that is an endo medication supposedly. Um, Dr. Fields okay. from Knoxville um, he actually had a family member on it because he was like, I know you're worried about that. And I wouldn't recommend it to anyone that I wasn't comfortable with my own family members taking the medication. Okay. Um, but yeah, I researched it and it doesn't, it's not like a hormone or anything. And so that is what I was mostly concerned about. Okay. And so you're feeling yeah. decently better. 
Yes, it comes in like waves, obviously, with stress and who knows what else, but it's gotten manageable and I've just, it's more of a mental game now, accepting that this is like a long ride and I'll have this forever and trying to explain to people that it's not just a cycle thing and it's not just a periods and it's more of a like mental in your community and trying to explain to everyone what it is and how it works that is what I'm trying to figure out right now. Still working through, yeah. Yes. I, I think it's a common place and I can only speak for myself, but it took me a long time to really understand that it was a chronic illness. Um, mm-hmm. I think I still struggle with it. Oh, I'm going to try this. I'll try that. I'll do this. But it is, unfortunately, it's it's a chronic illness and there's no cure and we can do things to help with some of the things you've done, but it's unfortunate, but yeah. And then having those kind of tough conversations so people understand that it is and that you're not just maybe canceling plans because you don't want to be there. You probably really want to be there, to but be. it's very challenging to go some sometimes during the month or maybe multiple times during the month. Yeah. I remember before I went in for surgery, I had a post-op appointment. um, And I was like, what if you don't find anything? And he was like, I don't, I don't even want you to say that because I guarantee you like with all of your symptoms that I will find something. And I just remember like feeling so, validated and not thinking that I was crazy. I mean, for the past six years, I knew something was wrong, but my biggest fear was coming out and him being like, I didn't find anything and being back at square one of having no answers. And yeah, when he came out of surgery and it was my mom and me and my dad, and he said, I could obviously was very groggy, but I heard him say like that she had lesions and, um, diagnosed with stage three and had cystitis and I, but that my eggs were fine. (laughs) I just felt like a million pounds was off my chest finally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that you talked about that and thank you for mentioning that because that is so many people's fear. Mm -hmm. And after struggling for so many years, to get an answer and to get the validation is, yeah, it's very. That was a big moment that is ingrained in my, it's a core memory for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a sad, but also like happy right. relief moment. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't want it, but you yes. also like need some sort of explanation yes. for why you're feeling this way when, you know, you're a young person that, Mm-hmm. should be out doing a lot of different things so how's your day-to-day life now like are you able to do most of the things that you want and yeah I have pain um still kind of frequently but I have different ways that I have learned to cope with it obviously water intake is huge for part of it um and then I actually use this little like tens machine it's called an Ovira. And I love that. It's my best friend (laughs) for cramps and with endo belly, that helps a lot. Um, And then heat packs, best friend, like all of us endo sisters feel those, but every day is different. I mean, I never know I could be perfectly fine. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh no, 
got to get out of this situation. Yeah. 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 That, those are good. I mean, are there any other, that's a great tip on the tens machine and yeah, the heating pad. I feel like everyone's got that one down and water. That's great. Is there anything else that you've adjusted or done that you've noticed that has really worked well for you? Um, I do a yoga ball. I sit on a yoga ball on the end of my bed and kind of like rock back and forth. That helps a lot. Um, walks are a hit or miss. A lot of times I feel like if I move, it helps the cramps a lot, but obviously getting out of bed with very severe pain is difficult. Um, those are my only two that are really helping me so far. Yeah. Still trying to figure out ways to get around certain things, but Well, are there any other things that we haven't chatted about or that we've missed that you want to talk about? Talk to the community about. I don't think about. so. I just, I want everyone to know that everyone says this, but you're not crazy and keep fighting because if you know something's wrong, only knew, you know your body the best. I mean, I don't ever want, I get a lot of girls, um, I post on my social media frequently about endo and my surgery and all of that. And you wouldn't believe the amount of girls that have reached out or just say like, Oh, I thought that was normal just because, I mean, you never know until you speak up. And if you do mention it to a doctor and get dismissed and they're like, Oh, okay. And you like go back into your shell. But I just would say, don't give up. And it took me, I mean, six plus years to get the bare minimum. And so it's a long fight, but it's definitely worth it to get any answers, at least even that helps the mental side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's great that you're advocating for people and, you know, being 20 and going through this, like through your like formative, like preteen and teen years Mm -hmm. is very, very challenging. And it sounds like you're already helping so many other people. And I think that, you know, early diagnosis really is, one of the keys and talking about it more um, at the younger age. So when people do go to the doctor and they're 12, 13, 14, they're, they're taken seriously and they're, yeah. and they know what endometriosis is. And I think that's just one of the huge challenges that we have, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about just getting out there and talking about it. And I know everybody says advocate for yourself, but if you don't have the the strength in the moment, reach out to people in the community and ask mm-hmm. for help. Like there's a lot of people that would be willing to, I don't know, even be on a call during your doctor's appointment if you need that, because that's, it's very important to have someone in your corner supporting you because it is a very heavy and draining process and illness to deal with. Yes. Yeah. And you would never know. I mean, there's girls that I've grown up with that have had issues with heavy periods or anything like that. And I would have never known if I had never posted or reached out. So just talk to your community and see, you never know what you'll find. I know so many people that now, even my, um, one of my dad's half sisters, we actually found out she has endo and we would have never known if we didn't speak up about that. So you never know who in your circle is struggling the same battle that you are. Yes. Yep. Especially 
behind closed doors. So yeah, very, very interesting. And I didn't uh, openly talk about it for many, many years. Um, so that is one of the biggest things is if you feel comfortable talking out about it. So yeah. Well, Melissa, I really appreciate it. You said you talk on Instagram. Where should people follow you? I do. My Instagram is my name, both two A's and two E's. Uh, my last name is Gagne, G-A-G-N-E-E. So on Instagram, that's what it would be. That sounds good. And yes, um, I'll also put it in the show notes. So that way people don't have to try and, and spell it, but I'll definitely link it in the show notes. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us and talking about, you know, what you've gone through and that you're helping so many other people you know, at this early stage still at 20. So that's very incredible. So thank you so, so much. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think that's it. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and means the world to me. I'm thankful to have platforms like this and social media to get the word out. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Cycle Podcast. Don't forget to rate us in Google or Spotify. If you would like to give us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate that. And also just really wanted to say thank you again for your time and listening to the Endo Stories to help build awareness, get more recognition for this disease. And I know all of the patients that have shared their story really appreciate you being here. With that being said, I always have to have my medical disclaimer. This podcast is not intended for the purpose of providing medical advice. All information, content, and material of this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve or substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Thank you so much for understanding this medical disclaimer, and I'm wishing you a pain-free day. Take care.